everyone can thank Andy Reid for the RSP in general. So see, there you go. <laughs> From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs, folks. We have a special edition for you today. Matt Waldman of the RSP is back with us. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, coming down after that draft. Chris is tired, I think. So, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> words into my, in, into my mouth. I appreciate right? that. Thank you. Along with everything else, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> so, here's the interesting thing about this draft. And for Chiefs fans who haven't gone and gotten the RSB, by the way, folks, I don't know what you're doing because if you like my draft guide, you have to go read Matt's because it puts mine to shame. All 1,100 pages of it. So, um, <laughs> if you had, and you will next year, uh, you'll find that there are certain players that Matt has a very strong liking for and can tell you more than I would ever ask. So, I mean, something like that ended up in Kansas City, right? It did. And, and it was one of those things where it kind of made me laugh because I, there, there are a lot of things that I don't get very excited about when it comes to the draft. I mean, I'm not one of those people. Most people go, oh, I'd love to have a beer with you and watch, you know, football. And I'd say, no, you really wouldn't like, cause I study this stuff. So you, you would not enjoy that. Let's go to a movie or just hang out and have a beer and talk. But, but yeah, this, um, that, that pick, you know, Darwin Thompson made me pretty excited. I do not blame you whatsoever. And I, there's just so much. To him, but for people who don't know, newest chief taking the sixth round, a smaller guy in terms of stature, but maybe not in the way that he plays, came out at least in in the athletic matrix as uh, an above average athlete, but not like a burner of of any you know super speed or like a Justice Hill or anything like that. Um, a guy that I think folks want to kind of peg into a role, but when you look at what he did in college and now that he's on a roster. What do you think is the best projection for him in terms of what he could do to help a team in year one? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, what it is, is that got me so excited about him is that I love the combination of skills that he provides to the table because he is, you know, he is very quick. He has good change of direction. He has enough speed that you're, you know, I mean, if, if you get him in the secondary, he's going to, get you 40, 50, 60 yards, he is going to push some cornerbacks in terms of their ability to catch up with him or maintain, um, you know, their angle on him. So it's not like he may not be um, Justice Hill, but he didn't have to be Justice Hill, you know, in terms of his speed. And then you have the fact that he can catch. And then there's the the real kind of advantage to him is that because he's, you know, short, he's like five, seven, five, eight, somewhere in that range, but he's 200 pounds. And he, this is a guy who I, I talked to his high school coach, who is just an absolute excellent follow by the name of Dub Maddox. He's on the coaching circuit nationally, and he should probably be a college coach. I mean, he's, he's, he writes these books called the R4 system, which is basically an overlay for any type of um, offense in terms of how to process information quickly as a quarterback and receiver. Um, you know, NFL teams should be using this stuff. I'm just telling you, it's, it's, I'm, I've been studying this stuff for a while. And when you start to really get an understanding of what it is that he's asking you to look at, you can see that the best quarterbacks are already very good at doing this. He's just teaching average quarterbacks how to be much better because of the, the quick way they're looking at it. So, 
he coached Darwin Thompson. And I got a chance to ask Dub, you know, what he thought of him. And of course, you're going to get a lot of positives from a high school coach talking about their, about the player, but he just said the guy could have been an Olympic weightlifter, um, power lifter. And when you look at some of the, the, the video that's on him, you know, doing reps at, you know, 650 pound squats, you know, mm-hmm. seven times, uh, you know, and you can see the way he, it shows up on the field with the way that he breaks tackles repeatedly within the same carry, the way that he can push defenders who are, linebacker size, even defensive tackle size. And I'm not talking like, you know, division two, division three college tackle size. I'm talking like division one college tackle size guys who are, are, you know, comparable to what you would see in the NFL, even though you're not expecting him to him or any running back to do that consistently. He's that kind of strong. And so he's very hard to just wrap up and drop to the ground. And when I see his fit, I just see someone who in an offense like the Chiefs where you spread, you you know, you're multiple, you can spread the field. He's a guy that can give you a combination of all the players that I think Chiefs fans have really liked in terms of skill guys who who can be moved around a bit, whether that was Spencer Ware in terms of his ability to work out of the backfield and break tackles or work downhill and be able to generate a little bit of power. Of course, Kareem Hunt and his ability out of the backfield. But then you also get a little bit of what Tyree Kill has done in terms of, you know, that explosiveness and and maybe being able to use him, put him on the outside. You get a little bit of what, I guess, you know, when the Chiefs, when Matt Nagy went over to the Bears and decided, you know, was figuring out what he could do with um, Tarek Cohen. Um, you know, a lot of things that I studied, you know, looking at what even John Fox did with Tyre, with Tarek Cohen, you could see them do similar work with Darwin Thompson. And so he just gives you that kind of hybrid player who can tie things together. So if things don't work out in terms of, you know, I'm sure that, you know, if Chiefs fans are worried about what the, what the offense is going to do in terms of, whether Tyreek, you know, Tyree Kill ever comes back to the team or is going to be, you know, if he's absent for a while or never or cut, you know, a guy like Thompson combined with Nicole Hardman can really do the trick for them. And I think that, you know, to me, Thompson was a guy that I saw as I had him rated as my number five back on, on the board. And I know that that's pretty high, but this is a real minefield for a running back class. And, and I just I look at what he does in terms of the combination of skills. And I think that if you put him in an offense like the Chiefs or like the Bears or even like the the Eagles, if they were to kind of go um, spread things out or even the Cardinals, if they didn't have Johnson, um, he could really he could thrive and be like a lead committee back or eventually a starter. Will it happen this year? You know, I think it comes down to his is um pass protection, you know, more than anything and how quickly he picks up the system. And if he's a good student of the game, then I, I think this is a really good conceptual fit for him as uh, in terms of his skills to what the team wants to do. Well, and you mentioned the way he works out and uh, some of the videos I saw him doing a 500 pound front squat, uh, <laughs> like it was nothing. And I'm just sitting there. I'm going, good God, that is yeah. ridiculous. And, I mean, he obviously is a very strong dude, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to to see what they can do with him in this offense. 
I am too. Let's take our first break and we'll dig deeper into this running back situation. Hiring is hard for everyone, whether it's finding an audio editor or video cameraman. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, and a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to do it. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a great quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, and you can try it for free. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If we go back to Thompson now, the most intriguing thing for me is it's against my instinct to try and run him in the middle between the tackles. But if you were going to put him in a, in a blocking scheme in particular, you know, zone versus, you know, that man gap kind of thing, where do you think he excels or, or can going forward? See, I think he can do both. And that's the thing. That's why I was excited about him is that he's a good decision maker with either type. You've got the burst and the, and the, sh- and the fact that he's short makes it difficult for defenders to see him. So that plays well for the zone scheme because he can press and cut back. And I think he's taken advantage of that very well. But you also can see him in a block in a gap scheme because he has the burst to hit downhill and he's hard to wrap high. So, you know, in a, in a gap scheme where you're hitting power and you want to, you want to time that and set up the crease and then hit it really hard. Defenders are aren't just going to be able to wrap him up just putting an arm around him. Now you're going to see that occasionally with defensive linemen, but he's strong enough that he's going to get decent gains. And I think he can be a guy that, that can do it. I just don't know if any NFL team's going to be convinced about that until there's proof. But if there's a guy that would be, it would be Andy Reid because, you know, back in the day, the reason I even got started in all of this was from an Andy Reid pick. And it was a player, um, who I actually really liked and thought, and I saw Gil Brandt say, this guy, if he were two inches taller and 10 pounds heavier, he'd be a top over five, top overall pick in the draft, like top five pick. And it was Brian Westbrook. And, and when you think about Brian Westbrook, even when, Brian Westbrook was kind of like at the end of his career and in San Francisco, I saw a Monday night game against the Cardinals with him playing in San Francisco. And he still, he could still play with, you know, with vision, power, footwork. You get lost behind the line of scrimmage, such a good verse, such a versatile player. And I think that Darwin Thompson can kind of give you that Brian Westbrook type of thing. And I think Andy Reid knows that. I think Andy Reid is a guy that he's always had a knack for picking guys who can do a variety of things for you in the backfield. You know, he knows how to pick thumpers. He knows how to pick your, you know, your scat. He knows how to pick scat backs, you know, and, and if he finds someone that he can get a bargain on who can do a little bit of both for you, of course, he's done that too with Kareem Hunt, but 
I think that, you know, obviously we don't want to just um, rule out what all the scouts are doing, you know, of course, but I think that Andy Reed also, when I see a guy like Darwin Thompson, I think of Andy Reed and Brian Westbrook, who he also coached at the senior bowl and really liked. So that's why all of this is kind of exciting to me. Well, so now we can thank folks. Everyone can thank Andy Reed for the RSP in general. So see, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when we want to project Thompson's role, because we have to admit that in this particular draft, He's one of not as many selections as they normally take. And he was high on their list after such a gulf uh, through the fourth and fifth rounds. I have to think that they're they're aiming at getting him into this committee. And I like that you brought it up as a committee because I think it's a, a really interesting blend of specialties amongst this this backfield, these this group of players. But if you were going to try to get him onto the field in 2019, how would you go about it knowing that it's going to be a limited part of the rotation? Yeah, I think for, I think we know that Damien Williams will probably be the lead back and Carlos Hyde. If as long as he plays like he did, you know, just two years ago. And I would even say last year, if not for the team's destinations of where he was at in terms of their quality of line play and the offense and the confusion and, and the Browns early on. But both of those guys are capable of being lead backs. Um, and delivering also in the passing game, especially Damian Williams. Damian Williams has been a good, um, swing pass player, someone that you can also use on screen passes. Um, but, and while he's fast, I don't think we've really seen him play at the speed that he was timed at. Um, so to me, I think where Darwin Thompson fits in is kind of where it, it's almost like taking the t- Tyree kills role and splitting it up. To, and segmenting it to short range receiver who could possibly run the ball to, um, or maybe, you know, runner who might possibly work downfield on bullet routes and, um, you know, wheel routes and, and seam routes like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Thompson line up outside, motion across, take some of those pitches that Hill would take. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they fake some of those and he works up the seam against the safety or runs some sort of maybe Texas or angle route out of the backfield. Um, and also I think he's a guy that if he can show what he can do as a, as a, a receiver, maybe they use him more in, um, you know, if he's really, if he really just shows that he picks up things fast, he could be in a two minute offense or in a, a three minute offense where Basically, they, you know, they hurry up and they can use him out of the backfield on draws, screens, short passes, dump offs, and then, and, and even hand him the ball. Um, but I, but it's funny because I'm waiting to see how he holds up strength wise. I, I anticipate that, that after about a year of this, they may look at one of the two backs that they have. I mean, Hyde's a one year deal. Damien's a two year deal. They might look at this and go, huh. Do we really need to segment this much out with Thompson? And I think that's what I'm waiting to see. I mean, I'm not absolutely positive it's going to happen that he'll play like that, but I think the strength is good enough that they they may ask themselves that question if he performs well. Well, that said, I have to I have to bring you back because as much as Darwin Thompson is is your guy, James Williams is mine, and I see a lot of the same things, especially on third down and trying to work in through that and. He's the thing that brought away for me 
from James Williams' film. And I, granted, I didn't do hardly anything on Thompson, so you have me at a, at a loss there. But I like the way Williams like squirms through a lot of tackles. It's not it's not the strength aspect like like Thompson. But I, what did you see from James Williams? And do you think that the two of them might be competing for a similar role? I think they might. And that's what kind of brought me down a little bit <laughs> was, when, <laughs> was when I saw they picked up James Williams as well, because James Williams obviously isn't, he's not quite as fast. I think as Darwin Thompson is, he's not quite as quick. Um, but listen, this guy, he's kind of what, what James White is. He could be what James White is to new England. He's an excellent pass receiver. Um, he understands how to play and, Offenses with some air raid concepts and spread concepts. And, and I think that he's always had a good feel for being a check down option and finding the open spaces. So you have that in his game already. Um, and he has, he has very unusual footwork and skills to make people miss. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that I, I'm trying to think of some basketball players in the past that I thought of who like, you look at some of the ways that they shoot or the way that they shoot free throws. Teddy Hardaway did a bucket, right? Yeah, exactly. Or Tim Hardaway, you know, the way that he, he did things and you look at it and go, that's very unusual and awkward. And maybe you wouldn't even, some of these things maybe you wouldn't even teach, but he's an all star. And when you look at, when you look at James Williams, the way his feet move and the way that he sets things up is really unusual and sometimes even a little awkward, but it, he seems to be able to make the first guy, the second guy, the third guy, sometimes the fifth guy miss in a, you know, in games and situations where you're just like, I, I have no idea how he got away from that. And especially the way that he, he moved. So I don't think he has the, I don't think he has the upside of Darwin Thompson in terms of being able to run between the tackles, but I don't think he's absolutely bad at it either. I just think Thompson's maybe a little bit better you know, and a little more athletic in ways that he might find himself into a, you know, into a role that you wouldn't expect for a, for a short guy. Whereas with James Williams, I think what you get from him is he's going to be that outlet receiver and that, you know, the passing down back who can occasionally run for you, you know, run the ball for you. Um, but that's his gig and he could be awfully good at it. And so, you know, the, the issue is if Thompson, if Thompson's athletic ability doesn't translate well, James Williams could easily take this job or James Williams could easily take this role if Darwin Thompson doesn't show consistency. And, and so, you know, that's the problem with guys in the late rounds and, and, and in UDFA situation or undrafted situations is that, you know, the nature of the league is that because of the draft is, is set up the way it is. It's a risk management exercise. It's not so much an exercise in talent as people think because you're, you're looking at this, the, not only are you looking at talent, but you're also looking at all the things that make them safer to invest a lot of money in them. And once you've done that, well, if you've given, if you made a guy a first round pick and paid him a lot of money, well, guess what? He's getting the most reps, you know, in on the depth chart most of the time. Um, and if he messes up, oh, let's say a third of those reps, you know, he makes mistakes on a third of those reps, you know, they're going to say, well, he'll get it. He's going to pick it up. Whereas someone like James Williams or Darwin Thompson, who may have been picked later, they, they may get a third to a fifth to maybe an eighth of those reps. And they may only mess something up once. 
but they met, they mess it up once and that's a big percentage of their reps. And the coaches often will look at it and go, see, he can't play. See, that's why he's a late round pick. And it's, it's basically, um, you know, it's a certain set of bias that often gets up there. So when you're a, a player that's drafted later, you may, there may be very little talent, um, separation between the top player and, and a player who's lesser known, but the number of reps, the way that people look at them and the amount of, you know, the small margin of mistakes that the late round guys are allowed to have. I mean, they've got to blow it out of the box early on to get that next stage of opportunity where they go, you know what, we're going to give him a chance. We're going to open up the competition or we're going to put him in, in the second quarter and see how he plays, you know, and even then they're going to have to do well because if they don't do well early, they're going to, they're going to look at him and go, see, he can't handle the the big lights. And then they get, they either get cut or moved on from. And so that's what I worry about with guys like Thompson and, and Williams because the talent is often there, but people don't always understand that when um, that dynamic. And this was a dynamic that was written. And there's a better article that explains it from my friend, Ryan Riddle, who used to work at the Bleacher Report. He, he wrote this. It was called the hidden advantage of being or the hidden advantage of being a high round draft pick. I mean, it's still available out there. To, to read, he was a former, he, he basically owns Cal's single season sack record. He played during the same time that, uh, Aaron Rodgers was on the team. So it was Marshawn Lynch. Um, and he had a, he had a cup of coffee with a number of teams. Um, and then just decided after, um, Bobby Petrino got fired and Bobby Petrino told him to buy a house in Atlanta and, you know, get set up. And then he get, and then he let Petrino left the team, just kind of quit the team. And they brought in someone new. He was like, he had already been with like three or four different teams and had make a, made a position change to outside linebacker. And his family was like, we've had enough of this. And he's like, yeah, me too. So, but very smart guy with very cool information. And, and this is well worth a read to anybody who's interested in the draft. Yeah. I would love to see that. We'll take our second break and talk about if the veterans are truly safer, if there's somebody that might be in trouble. Hope you guys are enjoying today's show. We want to let you know that we're going to be with you every day of the week, all off season long, just like we are during the football season. So make sure you're subscribed. Send your questions to Seth at Real Miss or Chiefs Fan on Twitter and check out Ryan's live Q&A sessions Monday nights on the RGR football channel on YouTube. Chris, any any takeaways from this what might be brewing as a position battle between Thompson and Williams? I honestly wonder uh, if Hyde's going to be in part in part of that position battle because they didn't give him a great contract. Yeah. They guaranteed him some money to bring him here, but you know, I'm not so sure that he's going to make the roster with the guys that they have on the roster right now. I mean, you have Williams who's going to obviously be your starter uh, with Thompson. And it sounds like Williams can play a, a separate role than Thompson can. I'm not so sure hides here. I think he has value, but the question is, can he play well enough and can he, get back to the player he was a couple of years ago, as opposed to what he really looked like last year. And that's a really good question. And it is, I mean, because the player he was two years ago, at least in terms of the production that we saw and what was on the field, because he had decent enough blocking. He's the best back on this roster. If it's that by far, to be honest. Um, and I always thought he was a tremendously underrated runner because of his burst, because of his change of direction, agility and his vision, um, but again, you know, is it, is it a case of being a quick drop off or was it a case that, that I think is more likely? And I think the case that's more likely is that 
the Browns were an absolute mess until about week seven or week eight when they figured out that that they needed to um, make things leaner from the top down and get rid of Todd Haley and um, Hugh Jackson and stop this competing war between these two that was really screwing up the offense. Then you have the Jaguars, and nobody was going to be able to run in that Jaguars offense because they didn't have a quarterback who was worth his salt, at, who was healthy, or even, you know, if you look at Bortles at that point. And then on top of it, their offensive line was really banged up. So, you know, in that, in that respect, it, it's one of those things that, I mean, we were asking there, not we, um, not, I won't include myself in there, thankfully, but a lot of people in the football community were asking whether or not, you know, Todd Gurley was good after his second season because the offensive line was bad and they didn't have good quarterback play. So I, I think it's kind of what happens is when you get older or you get into your mid twenties, mid to late twenties, teams do start to wonder if you, you're falling off as a running back. So yeah, he is getting that one year deal. And especially because there's so many backs who are capable that come in. I think he's more of a victim of economics and kind of getting the side eye due to all those things as opposed to maybe his overall ability. Yeah. And that certainly could be. And I would, you know, I, I welcome it if he is able to get back to form. Uh, but I think that they have other options if he's not. And sure. if he doesn't show up, and, and I guess that's really where I was going with it. If he doesn't show up like he did two years ago or better than at least he was last year, it sounds like with, you know, Darwin Thompson specifically, I think he's going to be on the roster, but it does sound like with Williams, he's going to add you a versatile, a versatile uh, pass catching back. That's something that could be very valuable, especially in the Andy Reid offense. So, I think there's, I don't think there's room for four running backs on this roster. So it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out during camp. I agree. And then you have Daryl Williams, who, who was pretty good for a rookie last year. And he can give you that power back need if you decide that, you know what, we can use Daryl Williams as our situational guy. If we want him to be, we want a little more short yardage thump. He can do that for you. So yeah. I like the way you're thinking, Matt. I personally am planning on dubbing the term, and folks, you're going to hear it here first, between uh, Damian, Darwin, Daryl, and James. We're going to call that www.thompson because that's going to be your running backfield. <laughs> I like it. Okay, sweet. It's official. Matt likes it, so we're in. Um, I want to say thank you, Matt, because I know that this has been a long off season for you to come back and spend extra time with us. It's really appreciated, and you have a unique perspective. So. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. It's it, it, certainly my pleasure. And if you are a, you know, a fantasy player and you're interested in just kind of my post-draft thoughts, I'm putting those together because I do a post-draft update to the RSP. And that's what I've kind of been working on for the past few days. And we'll probably have that out no later than the end of the week. Yeah. And I think we're going to definitely have to have Matt back to uh, talk some more about Patrick Mahomes. I know we didn't get a chance to bring him up at all today, but I'm sure Matt has some thoughts on his season <laughs> maybe a few yeah and for all the guys that are in my money league in fantasy don't get matt's update okay yeah <laughs> i'm gonna use that myself <laughs> folks that's it for today thanks for listening to us today check out the rsp and the update that's coming as well as all of matt's work over on twitter and as well on the youtube channel because that's where i go when i need stuff so thank you for today and we will talk to you tomorrow Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>